Hey there, welcome to What's My Pipeline? Um, I'm Paul Mosenson from NewSpark, marketing strategist, fractional CMO, and I'm here with um, Brett. Yeah, I'm Brett Julian, I'm with Sales Quarterback, and today we've got a very interesting guest. Eric, if you want to introduce yourself. You set me up for failure, now I have to be interesting. Um, I'm America's <laughs> uh -oh. sweetheart. Eric Ryan and I own Offensively Creative. We're a creative agency out of lovely Shirley, Massachusetts. It's the LA of the East Coast. That's a lot of people say that. I don't say that, but yes. Oh. Eric's Eric's got some very good oh. content too that I've seen put out. It's pretty darn funny. So I we should put some links in somewhere or let's just look them up. Um, very much get, worth watching. You get two people to watch my videos. You've doubled my yep. so, so exactly. You're a video marketing company per se as a focus? Uh, well, so I own another real agency and we do traditional SEO, PPC, content marketing, email automation, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but they hire me to do that though, not him. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. But I started offensively creative because I think there needs to be, you know, interesting marketing and I'd like to be a part of that. I thought it was going to be a lot more like Mad Men where you come up with an idea, have some drinks, sleep with your secretary, and then everybody claps but that's not what it is. I'd like it to be that way. So we focus primarily on video because I think it's sort of inherently entertaining and interesting. And all the other markets are separate. Define the word interesting. What is interesting? <laughs> Define the word in terms of video or just in general? Video, video. Like, is it just something that stands out more? I mean, is it serious? Is it funny? Like, what is interesting? I think so when you put in, okay, YouTube, for example, is the, the world's second largest search engine, right? Like we like watching video. We like seeing people. Um, like if you, okay, you dry your brakes, you got to replace the heating element. Would you rather read the thing or watch some guy do it on YouTube? I just think watching humans move with sound is inherently interesting to us. And you can't explain that physiologically because there weren't movies for the last, you know, three billion years, but we like it. It's a compelling medium. And it's more compelling than I think the written word. Certainly now that... The internet's saturated with writing. Video, even within the internet, is relatively new, you know? And the fact that we can now do it, you, you know, 50 years ago, if you're going to do a commercial for your business, it was, a, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of time. You had to put it on somebody else's channel. Hope that people watched. Now, you can do it all yourself and put it exactly where you want it in front of your target audience. So I think there's a lot interesting about it and not enough people use it. Well, I've always said, Eric and Brett, you can probably is that, you know, people, if we're talking a persuasive message here, like everything we do in marketing and sales is persuasion, right? Mm -hmm. And aren't you more persuasive in general, not you, but in general, when you combine video and audio with word? I think so. That's what I'm saying, right? Um, because you're, you're more impactful. I always tell people like, you know, on a website, even like, there's two kinds of videos, right? There's um, the passion video, like, here's why I'm good, because I live and breathe your business, you know, that kind of passion, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the explainer video, which is, this is really complicated here. And it's better to show an example and get some motion graphic and whatever. And, oh, that's how it works. Now, there's a, is there a third category? You think? I don't know. So 
what I've seen with Eric, yeah. just to maybe give you a chance to kind of talk about it, is you're taking humor and um, the ability to get attention and applying it in a business sense, um, which everybody wants to be unique. And um, you're, you're just hitting at home like a sledgehammer to attack, so to speak, right? So, you know, how, how do you how do you blend in sometimes being too edgy versus, you know, business or do you you just start with being really out there and then telling it back or what's your plan there? How do you do that? Well, I think so fundamentally, I think the first thing you need to do in marketing and advertising is get somebody's attention. Like anything, nothing's going to happen until you get their attention. Right. So I think being sort of out there and weird, at least for me is the easiest way to get attention. And I think since nobody, really does that. And when I say nobody, I'm talking about on, you know, the traditional B2B channels like LinkedIn, right? You just have to be 10 degrees off center on LinkedIn to really stand out because it's very derivative. The, everyone's doing the same thing, you know, giving advice. Yeah. It's the same shit. Um, the other thing is I fancy myself a bit of an artist. So uh, I want to be edgy. Like I don't, if I feel like if it makes me nervous that I'm saying the thing I'm saying and I might get backlash, I know I'm kind of where I need to be. But that's my business. Like, not everybody wants that. So I sort of baked in the idea that I think I'm good at getting attention. I think the stuff I do is, you know, edgy and unique. I I recognize that my clients don't want that much. So, like, I'm I'm the crazy, shiny lore thing. But then after you get meetings with me, I introduce you to other people on my team who are clearly professionals and know what they're doing. So it's, you know, there's a method to the mess. You know, I'm the loud, obnoxious thing that gets your attention. But beyond that, we're a professional organization that, you know, have families and bills and shit. So, but for me, like, you know, I was talking to a guy the other day and I do a lot of, um, not a lot, but political humor, like Trump makes, and I'm as lefty as you can possibly get. So I'm making fun of him. (laughs) And the guy goes, well, you know, you really shouldn't make fun of him because you're sort of eliminating half of your audience. I don't care. As soon as I start to compromise, I'm not doing the thing I say you should be doing, which is unique and original and have a point of view. Right. So. Yeah. But how, how, but isn't there a, a level of being too creative that you lose an audience if it's too way out there? Like, is there like a, some, some kind of like middle ground of this? Yeah. But I, the, the middle doesn't interest me. And I think business tries to solve for the middle all the time and solve for the average. So they go, Oh, well, this might insult this person. This might insult this person. This might person might not think it's funny, whatever. And then what you get is average and bland and boring and vanilla and you become white noise. So you have to be brave, like advertising, you know, Dave Ogilvy, uh, you know, like, don't bunt, aim for out of the ballpark, aim for the company of the immortals. Like, is that what we're doing on the internet? Do you feel like we're aiming for the company of the immortals or are we just making trash all the time? So I'd much rather err on, you know, taking a risk and okay, so I don't get a couple clients. Who gives a shit? I'll get the ones that it's self-segmenting. If you're into what I do and you want to be creative, that's who I want. I don't want you to go, ah, I don't like this. It's too entertaining or it's too edgy. I want people that are entertaining and edgy. That's what marketing and advertising used to be. Yeah, it's funny the way you're saying it, Eric. You make it sound so simple to just be yourself, be your normal funny self, and it will be attention getter and it'll help companies. But companies really struggle here. They're not, they're just so worried about being in the middle. Do you find it? Yeah, they want to be taken seriously, you know, for them because they're just killing themselves. 
I think the, the being taken seriously thing is a thing. So for whatever reason, and here's like everything we're doing is relatively new, right? There was no B2B marketing a hundred years ago. So there are no set in stone rules. We've just created this whole weirdo environment where everyone acts like a dork when they get to work. They're not like, I've had so many conversations. Listen, not everybody's entertaining, right. but when I get on calls, Five minutes in because I act like this, they they mirror what I do and they become themselves. And then uh, so you're not the dork that you pretend to be all day long. You have a personality. Show it. Like, like I don't know what happened. <laughs> like from the Mad Men era where we were really taking risks and doing interesting shit to today where we're like, we don't like contractions and I'm into blogs and white papers. Like, come on, man. I'm not saying here's the other thing. Sutherland says this all the time. The opposite of a good idea can be another good idea. I'm not saying don't blog. I'm not saying don't do SEO and PPC or, you know, content marketing and email automation, but do something that's a little entertaining as well. It could all work together. You don't have to be like everyone else. I don't know when being like everybody else became so appealing. Maybe high school <laughs> or to elementary school. or I don't well, know. I think, I think if you can, um, I always said from the advertising business, you know, just two things I want to say about this. One is I've always said a philosophy is bring someone in with creativity, but bring them out with persuasion, right? Get them in with creativity, get them out with persuasion. And I say that because of Super Bowl ads. And I always ask people, you know, what was your favorite Super Bowl ads? And they always say like, oh, the one with this or the one with this. How about, you remember the brand? Uh... uh no, like no, insurance so companies, same thing, right? You, how many how many times you don't even remember what insurance company does the emu or the whatever? I mean, you're constantly well, trying to go. Oh, wait a minute, that's no. well. The point the point of the matter is is um, a creative ad is a waste of money if you don't remember who the brand was. True. Yeah, but the opposite argument is that is is are boring ads memorable? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah, no, but I'm saying so, so. The Super Bowl is a is is a perfect like weirdo dichotomous time where one like we hate ads in every other uh, area of our being. We'll pay for subscription services that we don't have to hear ads for. I pay for the thing on YouTube, Pandora. I'm, I fucking hate ads. I'm paying whatever it takes not to listen to them. But we know at the Super Bowl because we expect them to be funny or entertaining or emotional, we tune in. As a matter of fact, I would say more people are there. It's a disproportionate amount of people for the commercials than the football games, because otherwise every game would have the, the Super Bowl ratings and they don't. So we'll, we're willing to sign up for inter interesting, educational, feeling. Uh, it's making this point, you know, right? and, and people talk about the ads too afterwards. There's entire shows devoted to ads. <laughs> the next day they rate them. It's a big deal. And if there was no ROI for creative ads, why the Super Bowl can continue to charge billions of dollars per second and it goes up every year is beyond. There must be an ROI or these companies that know way more than us. They don't know. They don't. You know, again, it's, you know, some, I think a lot of it's ego, if you ask me. So yeah. you think all these companies aren't seeing Not any, everyone. any of this? It's, it would, you know, it's like, it would be fiscally irresponsible for 50 of the biggest companies in the world to go, I'm going to do it. It right. Well, throw money down a hole. But you're also right talking about, oh, hold on one second. This podcast is sponsored by New Spark Consultant. Okay. Let me get back to, um, okay, welcome back. Um, but no, the point of the matter is, is, um, um, you know, there's a, you're talking about a difference between branding and direct response, we'll say, right? You know, branding is really hard to measure. It's like a big picture thing. And right. still, though, you branding, if you're going to spend that kind of money on branding, the whole idea for branding is 
if you need something, you remember the commercial, you remember what you, you remember the product without having to go to Google, look it up, right? Because you have a good brand, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm getting at is, um, you know, the, um, um, well, I, you know, I it's about like this whole thing about um, the Super Bowl again and things like that is, oh, um, it's like anything we do in marketing, like what I do is trying to answer the question. This is one of my themes. Hey, puppy, is um, you're kidding. Is uh, talking to the boss and answering this question. Did it work? How did the campaign work? The Super Bowl. Did it work? Did what work? Wow. Right. And anything you do, even small, like, like videos and stuff, you got to define working. If you're doing a different style, Eric, it's still about um, did it work? Well, work is relative, right? So the long and the short of it, you know, everybody, you know, branding is very important, right? We all know that if you have a strong brand, you're going to be the company that doesn't have a strong brand. Unfortunately, not everything is measurable. As soon as the internet came into play, though, you could measure things. So what you stopped doing is creativity because you can't, creativity is subjective and it's not measurable, which is why people start talking about button colors and stuff because you can measure that. But they threw the baby out with the bathwater because nobody does long-term branding anymore. Like interesting things. Budweiser commercials used to not show the product. It'd be a puppy and a horse and everybody would cry at the end. You go, why did they do it? Does anybody have a bigger bankroll than Budweiser? Is anybody selling more anything than Budweiser is? No, but they understand branding. You know, like the Apple's 1984 commercial didn't show the computer, right? They just said, it's not going to be like 1984. The next day, everybody was talking about it. There's a value to branding, but since, you know, the internet came around, you can't measure it. So people don't do it, but the companies with the strongest brands are the ones that win. So. And they have to have big budgets too for that, right? Well, now that you can do video, you don't need a big budget. But you have to understand that things change. You know, like there's new technology. You got to use it in newer ways. Like if anybody, Gary Vaynerchuk's a perfect example of a guy that just throws up videos all the goddamn time. He has brand salience. His agency's huge. He doesn't talk about his agency really in the videos, right? He's just a personality. He's built a brand. So you want to be a part of that. But we've like all the stuff we do on the internet is like direct, direct, direct response. You read this and click this. That happens very few times. The infinitesimal of your buyers are ready to fill out a form right now. But everybody skips the part where when no. they are, do want to fill out a form, you come to mind because you're doing interesting, creative shit or you're out there, you're saying something, you're somebody. We've skipped the somebody part. Well, I'm going to challenge you in a minute. This is a good conversation only because, you know, there has to be KPIs. Now, I'm not, what I'm saying, Leo, is big picture here. Like, well, you know how it is. Like, I even e-commerce, nobody has their wallet ready, right? But there's got to be some kind of, something that says that might be interesting at some point. And that's where, you know, these the metrics come in, what we call assisted conversions or view conversions and things like that. If you know what that is, Brett, you know, like, you know, Facebook is like, they know what they're doing, right? You know, like our ad was served somewhere in the last 30 days and eventually you bought something. So give us credit, right? You know, because our pixel fired when somebody bought something, you know, and then that's, that's measurement. Right. At least it says, like, if you're comparing different audience segments, you know, at least to say, oh, maybe this creative has, was 30 percent higher in those Facebook conversions. So let's do more of them. I mean, that's what we do is, you know, optimizing buyers. Right. Is, you know, we need to have some kind of performance metrics. The creative is really important, as you do. Right. You know, but it all has to be tested. Uh, but you know what I'm getting at. 
Yeah, but swimming in logic, you know, everything's so logical, everything is so rational that if if logic and rationality could solve our problems, we would have figured it out by now. There's a certain amount of irrationality that goes into this that has not, it's, I, it, I blame the internet for this, because once you could measure, we, we stopped doing things like being irrational, illogical. Like there's a lot of, you know, superfluous bullshit that makes us happy that we don't really understand, right? And we've That's thrown right. that away. Being right. entertaining, you know, logic and rationality throws out magic and humor and wit and sex appeal, charm, because you go, we help companies do this, fill out a form. There's, no, there's nothing there. It's all dry and vanilla and boring. What old agents, agencies and companies used to realize is that you need some of that. We like that. We're humans, right? So this like direct, you know, no personality stuff that, yeah, everyone does it, but metrics are terrible. Click-through rates are terrible. Form, like, you know what I mean? There's email open rates, astonishingly bad chances are it's because they suck <laughs> you know the work have, sucks maybe some of the can you just talk about some of the kind of impact here and there on when certain cases you've had where i don't know if you're working on email campaigns with people or or web content where because i gotta imagine like an open rate would be much higher on something that's unique than not. I mean, I'm just curious if you've had a chance where you can talk about open rates or not. I, I mean, this is technical stuff. I think you have to test, but um, you know, well, I could say anecdotally, the first, my first experience was my best experience. So the guy that, you know, the, the agency that, the, that pays my bills, the normal one, when I first started working with that guy, he had an e-commerce store. It was the world, a uh, country's largest bonsai e-commerce store. Okay. All right. So, but I know it's very bizarre. Um, but he sort of let it atrophy because he went after the digital marketing stuff and just kind of let it lay there. I came in, I had a little bit of B2C experience. I was like, let me start, you know, so I started writing. I did the email campaigns, but I've, you know, my writing style is very, uh, it comes across as personal. Like it's like, I'm writing you an email. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, you know, the open rates would go up. I, I, I figured out that if I offered one tree, I didn't tell you I had 10 on sale. I told you I said one's on sale open rates and conversion rates are way higher. Then if I describe the tree in a funny way or how easy it was to take care of or how hard it was to take care of, people started writing me back like these newsletters were like we had, like we were pen pals. <laughs> so all of a sudden the money starts to change a little bit. The content on the site becomes funnier and fun to read. And then all of a sudden, like it's, it's outperforming the digital agency, which was, and then, you know, he sold us the agency because he went off to buy a bonsai nursery, which is real. I know it sounds ridiculous, yeah. but- but I could never replicate the success because other people would read my stuff and go, this is great. We want to hire you, but don't, don't write like that. Right. Like everybody else. They, they're just kind of cheap front water you down over and over again. That yeah, It's like committees kills everything. Committee kills comedy committee, committee kills creativity. So by the time it gets through approval, it sounds like everybody else, but I can tell you like hands down in my limited experiences, nothing's worked better than the wacky shit that I've done throughout my career. So I'm just tripling down but, on wacky shit. But when, when a company comes to you and says, this is really interesting. I'm not sure if it's too much craziness, but does it follow our brand? Yeah. The problem is no one, no one has a brand. Everyone thinks they have a brand, but no, nobody has a brand. Who has right. a brand? You know, like do we, do we have brands? Nobody gives a shit about our brands. No. It's, it's one of those things where, but here's the, here's the problem. Once you start to write academically about sales and marketing, you've worked to places like Pepsi and Coke and Apple. You're way the fuck up. So you talk about brands and everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. And you think you have one? You don't. We're with the middle, like small market, medium-sized business. We don't have a brand, man. 
You can do whatever you want. That's the frustrating thing. We could do wacky shit that would work, but we pretend we're Pepsi. And even, I mean, all right. They've done. I test test crazy stuff all the time. You ever heard of What's My Pipeline? That's crazy. (laughs) I think think it might be popping Paul's head because he likes the brand. And and my better Paul Paul episodes. So Mm. I tried to be creative. But I think you're right, Eric. If you were to change somebody's colors up, from one customer, you know, to another, would anybody really even notice or care? No. They might go, huh? Mm. Listen, I don't want to, you know, our clients pay hey, your fonts were off. Right. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Every, yes, that's a perfect, yeah, every every book you read, they talk about the fonts and uh, nobody cares. Nobody gives a like, shit about your fonts. It doesn't know. matter. So, so much for a style guy, Joe. Hey, I actually worked for GE and they had their own font. They call it oh, GE Inspira. G- by the time you're GE, like you're just swimming in money and you have to create problems for yourselves. So then you go, all right, guys, we all have to use the same font. But if GE had a different font or 55 fonts, they'd still be EGE because right. like their core products are the thing that's selling, not your dumb font. But we reverse everything, you know? We think the style, we put the style guide ahead of actually developing something that somebody might care about. I wonder if it's just because people don't know what to say, so they kind of hide behind a couple of cliches to make themselves seem more knowledgeable and relevant, you know, like branding, you know. I think the human brain is like the the, the human brain is dumb, right? It's it wants shortcuts. It's happier when it doesn't have to think. And when somebody says do this, why be a rebel? You know, like I'm going to tell honestly, if the GE guy was here defending fonts right now, he's got a billion in the bank. I've got five bucks. I'm going to go, no, I'm right. I just got you get it. I don't, th- I don't think at my level it makes sense, but whatever. I'm going to argue with you. You're GE guy, you know? <laughs> but I think this, the smaller guys, we need to be more gorilla about our tactics. Like we need to use creativity. We don't, we don't have the constraints of these major brands. And I'm telling you someday, like 50 years ago, I'm sure GE did some wild shit that worked. We just don't know about it now because they're so big and now they have committees everywhere and they don't need to do wild shit. Right. The less and less risk reward scenario for them. Why, why risk anything, you know, when they might... But Being risky like is safe, so safe. Being, but everything but, you, but everything you do is the philosophy of the company. I mean, you got to obviously sell them on. It's okay to step out of the box because people will remember the message more than what you're doing now with this. You know, like um, I think with video, what I'm trying to convince people is that it's okay to create a small space where you can be creative and fail. I'm not trying to rewrite your your brand or. Every, like your fonts. I don't give a shit. Just have a series, a video series, where maybe you talk about your, you know, the blogs or you espouse your expertise in your space or you have an interview show. Just do something a little creative and see how it goes. I'm not saying we take over your website and all your communications, leave all that stuff, but do something that excites you, you know? Something with that's yeah, fun, that's some ambition. It's a good experiment, right? And then they can see how that goes and then incorporate it in as, as, as it grows and helps them. Like, say you have a kick-ass video series six months down the line because you've been doing it. Now send that out every Friday in a newsletter to your normal list. And people go, oh, my God, this is great. The CEO really knows what he's talking about. Oh, whatever the case. Right, exactly. Then the sales guys will say, did we get any leads out of that? I oh, get listen, I, 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 Maybe this is an indictment on your videos, but I get leads when I put mine up. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Here's a funny man. We're not. <laughs> You're hysterical. <laughs> I mean, I do have my own theme that I want to work on creatively, although I'm not Mr. Creative Person. I try to be, but, you know, my, the brand that I've been thinking about is, you know, changing, you know, again, who has a brand, right? But, um, but a message that I want someone to take home with, which is, like I said to you, did it work? 
That's what I'm going to say. Like, no matter what I talk about, did it work? How'd your email campaign work? Did it work? Yeah, we had a great open rate. That doesn't answer the question, right? So if I, so if I put you know, some like, how do you define analogy. work? That's what the best point. How do you define working to the boss? It, I, I mean, Eric, you've got this offensively creative brand now. I, you know, I hate to say the brand, but you, you've got that. I'm trying. Both trying. you and Paul are kind of saying the same thing, which you need to do something to stand out. And you're just saying, hey, I'm going to stand out more of a, a more of an honest, humorous way that um, we can play in a, a space with. It's maybe a little outside of what, you know, more is more traditional, but it's going to be easier for you to get that that interest. And I'm not listening, believe me, I, look, I value KPIs. I understand churn with clients and I need to show them that there's ROI behind what we do. What I'm trying to tell you is doing the same shit as everybody else constantly also isn't moving the KPI needle. So right. why don't we try something else that might work better? Like we've been doing, okay, in digital market, we've been doing the same, running the same playbook for how long now? 15 years? Sure. It's the same, like, oh, what are click funnels or do all this stuff? We all got all excited about things that are marginally different. Let's try what used to work really well, which is intrigue, humor, suspense, entertainment value, all the things we've thrown out, you know? No one's saying do it for its own sake. Obviously it has to work, but let's try something else and see if that works better than changing a button color. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe like you go to a landing page with a door and you click and it opens up slowly till you see the offer. And then there is a hello. There's a, there's a billion <laughs> things that might work. Right? Why not give it a shot? You could A-B test all day. We have the technology to do all kinds of shit like that. You know, mm -hmm. But I'm telling you what people don't A-B test is like the boring version and an entertaining version. They do a boring version and a slightly more boring version and then say, oh shit, well, the boring one worked. Well, just, despite your creativity and everything, still the technical analytical side of marketing is reporting. You know, I mean, we got to like, we feel like that's our job, right? So someone... We're going to do Eric Ryan video messages in our emails and our social media, whatever we're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to test it for six months versus what we did before and see Perfect. if we get more engagement, right? Or more appointments right. from emails or whatever the call to actions are. Right? 100%. And, and then we decide that's how you tell. Did it work? Well, we were up 25% of an important metric, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is, you know, sales can talk to more people because people were intrigued by the message enough to pay attention and then decide, you know, to be honest, he's talking my language. I Listen, I think we should cross promote. You go do, did it work? And then you go, listen, do what you're doing now, but hire this guy to do the B test. And then, and then you, you add your markup and uh, listen, we're off to the races. Yeah. I will try to try that and see if it works. <laughs> Which is the premise of the <laughs> show. I like it. Did it work? Did it's it work? Like <laughs> I think next time, guys, we got to talk about chat GBT, see how that would oh, work yeah. within marketing, yeah. what that's going to do. And Eric's got some good thoughts on that, too. We had a good sign, but I don't think we have enough well, time. to go. No, no, today. we don't. In fact, nothing I said today was actually me. I was reading it from chat anyway. So um, oh, you're, you're not even there. I'm <laughs> not, you know, this, is, this is an avatar. It's not even me. I'm out shopping right now. So. <laughs> it looks great. It's pretty amazing. You know, fake me. You know, I'm tweeting right now with a tool. No one knows that. So. Um, we've had that all the time, you know, but anyway, but, I mean, the point of this conversation though, is not that it was more like about, you know, out of the box creativity that can grab people's attention and still uh, generate interest from buyers to say what we said in the beginning of the show, which is 
That's interesting to me. And yeah. my, my closing thought is uh, it, it's only logical to be creative in a world of more boring and more boring is even becoming more boring is that yeah. it makes more sense to stand out more than ever. Even in this background, I shouldn't I have the books behind me and use my hands all the time when I talk and, you know, the bookcases, you know, the Mad Magazine collection back there. You know, nobody even noticed that. But um, you know. I, I don't want to turn into the quote David Ogilvy hour, but, you know, he oh, did to the effect of, you know, you can't bore people into buying. You can only interest them into buying. But right. we, like that seems to be it. just I don't. I, I, the straightforward approach, we've done it for so long. Can we try a little irrationality? Think outside the box. I know even thinking yeah. outside the box is cliche, but like just yes, A B test. Truly think outside the box. That's the way I'm. That's my walk away from this one. Right, right. So, yeah. How did we do? We didn't do that well in this test, but think outside the box. It really was different. Get a bigger box. <laughs> right, right. Whatever. You know, you want to uh, know, did we discuss what my, have you seen my interview show? Do you know what I did? It's called the Five Bourbon Lunch Show. You should plug this here. I send my guests five bourbon samples. We drink them together. I read the pretentious tasting notes. We pretend to pick up leather. And then I ask them questions that have nothing to do with business to humanize corporate America. But I'll tell you this, by the fifth sample, they start saying some wild shit because, you know, they're a little buzzed. Bourbon's got a little kick to it. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're, if you're having, it's the equivalent of like three shots in what's usually like 45 minutes. So not, it's not going to kill you, but it's going to yeah. make you say some weird shit, which is nice. Let's do it on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. I just need bigger yeah. guests. I'm trying it's to get Elon Hmm, Interesting. Let's write that down. All right. Well, but anyway, um, we'll talk again. But this is um, again for the for listeners here. Yeah. You know, what's the what's the summary? What's what do you want the takeaway here? I want to work with owners because here's the thing real quick. I don't want to go off too much of a tangent, but owners tend to have a little bit of rebel in them. Like nobody starts a company to do the same thing as everybody else does. Right. But what happens is when you own a business, you don't do the thing you signed up for. You get ground down by managing people and payroll and blah, blah. It sucks. Right. But owners have that thing. They have that little rebellious streak in them. They're creative. So I think more owners should get on here and they'll like it because it's vanity. Every time you share something, you get likes and shares and people tell you you're funny and it feels good. And if you do this enough, it's going to turn into money. So what I want is some owners that want to try, once again, not redefining what your company is or any large campaign. Do something in a small space where you can get creative and interesting and unique. And do some video at offensivelycreative.com. You should put that on the screen now. That's perfect. All right, we'll set that up. You heard it from <laughs> Eric, his hair and his cat. So let's... Okay. I, I like I it. Sober I, too. I like well, it. I, I wish I had hair like that, but it's behind my back. So, <laughs> little hairspray, bring it into the camera. That's right. All right, hang on. Thanks everybody for listening and watching. And uh, that's Eric and his company again was offensivelycreative.com. Right. Google that. And um, and I appreciate the the insights. All right. Are we creative enough? Dorky, pretend Are we creative to be creative enough. Paul, Listen, Brett, Eric. If I just if I just rail against <laughs> this is going to be my whole thing that I do on everything. I, listen, this is my second one today, so I'm, I'm getting places. All right, let me stop recording. Okay.